0: Welcome back to the Tech Leaders Talk podcast, where experts and leaders in the wide world of IT discuss the industry and hard-earned career wisdom with your host, Barry Newkirk. Today's guest is Phil Yanov, an award-winning community organizer, presenter, podcaster, speaker, and founder. Phil is a technologist with a personality. He's a natural-born connector, and he has built a career out of helping others understand how they can best leverage technology at work and at play. He's the founder, creator, showrunner, and executive producer of Tech After Five, and the founder of Networking Over Coffee. Let's jump right into this wide-ranging conversation with Phil Yenov.
1: We're welcoming to the podcast Mr. Phil Yanov, a great friend, collaborator, colleague, and a cigar buddy. So, Phil, welcome to Tech Leaders Talk.
2: Thanks, Barry. I'm, thank you for having me. That's very nice of you. And I can't imagine how many people you've gone through to finally get to me on the list. I mean, you know, all the good cats are gone and now we're down to Phil And I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> there was a list. Yeah. I won't tell you how
2: long it was. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's all right. It's all right. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that i invited due to a clerical error anyway, you know, <laughs> but it's
1: okay. Let's just jump right in for our listeners. As I mentioned to you uh is primarily the junior to mid-level tech person who is really trying to figure out what are the next steps in his or her career. So tell us how you grew up. How'd you get started in technology?
2: how did i get started here's the thing i don't like people so i hung around <laughs> computers and nerd stuff right and that's what i did i mean you know what it was it was just being a kid that was a little bit shy and mostly introverted and liked messing around with stuff as opposed to people i mean i just started like with computers but the thing is I was poor. So we actually would borrow equipment or I would, you know, I I was thankful when our school got computers because that was the thing that allowed me to get into that. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was just I liked playing with this stuff. You know, here was finally something that I could tell what to do and it would do it. I've never worked with my siblings.
1: Doesn't work in most people's homes and we won't talk about your current home.
2: Doesn't work in my home <laughs> either. Right.
1: So you're not from uh, the South originally. That's pretty obvious to those of us with a, a refined ear. Yeah. Uh, so tell us how you grew up.
2: Yeah. So I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, South of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So it really was truly out in the middle of nowhere. My mother still lives there today. We they, she pipes in daylight. It's so remote. Um, but it's just, it, it was, a it, so it was, I was isolated and that was the thing. So it was me actually getting to go to, like I said, going to school and I would play with that stuff and I'd say, oh, this is kind of cool. But the neat thing was even back then, right? So I am on the farm in the middle of nowhere, but I am within a hundred miles of Carnegie Mellon University. Mm. And so we would do field trips and stuff like that. And you'd get to see people who were doing things that were at the cutting edge of computer science, even back then.
1: Was there a particular light bulb moment where hey, that tech thing is really cool that you can go back to and say, hey, that was the starting point for me?
2: I leaned into it every which way. So, you know, I had a friend whose dad worked for a semiconductor company, Mm. and he would have like, he had the old computers. (coughs) I mean, no one remembers this stuff anymore, like the AIM 65. And, you know, all the stuff that came out before the Apple II was even a thing, right? And so he would have stuff and you could go, I mean, I'd go over to his house. You kind of play with it and look at it. The Timex Sinclair, and again, only old people are going to remember that stuff. But this was basically a chance to kind of play around. And at that time, you really were sort of flipping switches and things on it. But it was a chance to program. And I remember the first time I sat down, and when I actually got to program, the first thing I ever programmed was a programmable calculator because we didn't have the computers yet, right? But I remember it's like I could sit down and I could write code, and it felt like a game to me. Mm. And that was what, you know, they always say, do for a living what you would do for free. And so I was like, this just feels like fun. And I think I'm going to do some more of this. And it just, no, I never thought about this was going to be my career. It's just like, I didn't want to do anything else.
1: Tell us what kind of work you do today.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I've had that, right? My career of being an IT guy and being a CIO inside of a company and all that kind of stuff. And then I was like, But I really just love the community, right? I love the people and I love helping them move the ball forward for them, whatever that might be, right? So if again, I lived through all of this and I wanted to hang through other people who are going through a similar journey. And that's why I founded – One organization which led to another, which leads us to today where we're at Tech After Five, which is the name of this thing today, right? And with Tech After Five, my whole thing is like, let's bring IT entrepreneurs. Let's bring IT professionals. Let's bring their community of sort together in a room every month and let them cross-pollinate and go build stuff. And they do.
1: And how long have you been doing that?
2: So we just had our 640th event. Tech After Five started 14 years ago in Greenville, right? In February 2008 was our first event. We're still at it, right? I mean, you looked at it and it said, I mean, I remember people looking it saying, look what you're doing. It's like, well, that seems pretty simple, but it's harder than some people realize. And it doesn't seem like it's a thing or like it won't last. And we've seen lots of guys come and go in yeah, this space, right? Absolutely. But here we are 14 years later, Still on th- in Greenville, anyway, on the third Wednesday of the month. And then, of course, we've done other cities. And then, of course, COVID came along. And that kind of killed the live events. And now we've kind of started bubbling those back up again. But we managed to make a pivot even on the online thing, right, which is kind of cool because – you know, I, I'm running a minimum of 50 events a year, virtually just Tech After Five events, right? Or we'd call them networking over coffee. But I just figured out the other day, I've run 150 of those. Right, so I've run 640 live events, live and in person, and 150 of the virtual events as well. So guess what? You're not in the city that we're doing a thing. You can still come out and hang out with us, Absolutely. and we can and we can move the ball forward. Out, we'll introduce you to people you need to know, advance your career, figure out what you want to do, find a mentor.
1: Talking about Tech After Five and networking over coffee. I mean, I've been to a lot of the Tech After Five events, not yeah. all 640. Um, My wife may think I have, but I haven't. And uh, I've been to a few Networking Over Coffee events. And one of the cool things about the the virtual Networking Over Coffee is, to your point, I remember people on the call that I was on, New York, uh, Seattle, uh, Denver, Chicago. um, There was a couple of people from Europe, if memory serves me.
2: Yeah.
1: Are there any particular cool stories where a connection was made that you could share with us?
2: That's the thing, right? Like, I just got off a call. Woman in Norway, guy in London, you know, some folks in Greenville, folks throughout the Carolinas, et cetera, right? So, <clears throat> yes, they are making connections and there are people finding jobs and finding gig work. And there are people that are like doing big deals off of that kind of thing. Right. I mean, you know, I've had someone say, yeah, I sold a million dollars worth of stuff because of a guy I met at one of your events. Right. That's the kind of stuff that happens.
1: Yeah. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Before you launched Tech After Five, though, you mentioned uh, being a CIO. Uh, I know a little bit of that story. Can you give us a little bit of Uh, pre-Tech After Five, Phil Yenoff, some of the stops that you made, some of the places that you were, uh, some of the organizations that you served?
2: Well, you know, I got out of school and did a – basically went to work for another small software company and they were just too early. And so it just was, didn't make a good fit. They ended up breaking that thing up. They gave me a few customers. I built a little consulting company out of that. And so I ran that for several years and uh, I couldn't even think of a good name for it. So we called it Philip Yanov Associates. And that way, when I got there, I'd know it was my place because my name was on the door. <laughs> um, so I, I would do that you know, on a regular basis. I did that for a good while. And then I had some friends who were running another company that was just about to go through a big growth spurt. And they said, you know, can we swallow you up and can you become a part of what we're doing? Mm. And so um, I went to what was the Mid-South Data Systems, which became Kairos Corporation. And we were, at that time, the world's largest reseller of IBM point-to-sale, right? So we sold computers, cash registers, and networking systems to very large grocery stores you know, primarily in the US, right? Or maybe it was all in the US, but big grocery store chains. So we sold that equipment to them and we ended up rolling up a bunch of offices and buying a few other companies and stuff like that. And my role in there was primarily CIO, right? So my we called it the e-business executive for a while and the CIO, but the whole idea was, you know because e-business was cool right we, absolutely you know, that was a swanky name right? right that it all looks like bougie um, as savannah it, would say it, yeah it looks suede <laughs> like you know hide now but you know it's as cool as hide now but it was cool at the time um but so we but we did that and we had a bunch of offices and my job was to get them all talking to each other because i felt like we had brought in a bunch of cultures how do we keep that so you know my i.t structure was how do we have the right software how do we have the right hardware how do we have the right system and in place so that this feels like one company and not just a bunch of different people playing solitaire right because i think that can happen you end up with silos silos inside of an organization and i just came off of a call talking to someone who's written a book on um uh, business architecture, right? Mm. And the thing is, if you don't have the architecture right, if you don't have the places and right, if you don't build those structures, you can't build the company that you are looking for. Right. And so I felt like it was my, before we called it business architecture In my time, it was, let's bring these people together and build the foundation so they will talk to each other and the culture will follow. And that's what we did. Okay.
1: And is Kairos still a ongoing
2: Concern, Kyrus, is that right? Kairos got sold and then they changed the name a couple times. And you know what? I don't
1: even know what the name of that organization yeah, is today. They either. got swallowed up into something else. Yeah. Well, you and I met in the early 2000s, I think, when you were CIO at Kairos. And you probably don't remember that meeting, but I brought in a high-end consultant and you politely told me, no, he's not the right guy. So... Um, we've been friends since then. We've
2: I'm glad there. that we're still friends. And <laughs> let me tell you, not remembering it is probably good because there's a lot of like interviews I did with people that I do remember and they would not, it does not reflect well on them that I remember those interviews.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a few of those too.
2: You know, the guy that brings in the the guy who had <laughs> a guy bring in fried chicken to a job interview, <laughs> bring his lunch with him and say, is it okay if I eat while we talk? <laughs> I don't know if you want to give that as a clue to someone. You know, at your job. But, you know, that's a career-limiting move.
1: Yes. It, it, it is. I, I have lots of those stories. I keep yeah. threatening to write a book, uh, Crazy Recruiter Stories. I get,
2: uh-huh. No, right. I mean, it's got to be great. <laughs> I mean, because you're basically a therapist to these people who are trying to get a job. Mm. And some of them have much bigger issues than not having a job I, currently, I, right?
1: I, I and amen so th- to
2: that. it's having that conversation I think would be good. So I, I would read that book. I may even help you write it, but I <laughs> I would read that book for sure.
1: <laughs> Let's switch over to um, some of the things that we talk about uh, uh, quite a bit on this podcast where we're interviewing tech leaders from around the country. And that is, who are your mentors growing up and, and as you launched into your career, Phil?
2: Yeah. So it's been, it's different people, different times. And I think that, you know, this is fabulous. People ought to go find really cool mentors. You know, who is someone who's closer to where you want to be than you Mm -hmm. and just have them help you sort of drag you along. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a, a cousin who was a well-placed IT guy over at Kaiser Permanente. As Mm. I was coming up through this journey, he knew what it was like to be in a big IT organization. He knew what it was like to navigate your way through all of that. And, you know, he asked good questions. So I think that's really useful. Mm. You know what I like about what we're doing now today, Barry? I mean, you know, and I'd like to think that perhaps over the, our careers, right? We've probably mentored each other probably. at one point or another, That's right? That's probably true. Asking the right question, getting the right answer at the right time. And you can do this in micro, you can micro your you are mentor, right? And get the right cat for that. But, you know, now we can go off on YouTube or we can come listen to your podcast and we can have, you know, you bring someone's ideas to the fore and it's like, you know what, I love the idea of having a mentor and having a relationship and I'm certainly doing that with people and have people doing that with me. But the idea is if I can solve this one problem right now, that's all I need to do mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of move that forward to the next. So I <laughs> you know I'm find people who are you know in the space that I want to be in and kind of say, "All right, what does that cat know that I don't know?" Cuz all I need to do is take one step and I get closer to him. And either he'll hold me for a while or she'll hold me for a while or I'll move to the next one. So there were times I needed to know about business Mm -hmm. and and IT alignment and business. And there were times that I needed real serious CIO technical types that kind of navigate the politics. So you just point to one point, the other, let them help you along.
1: I heard two things in that. One is that um, uh, you are always on the lookout for mentors. Always. Um, And the second thing is that mentors have been a lifelong pursuit for you?
2: Always learning. Always learning. And I just, I don't understand why you would not be that way, right? Because, you know, if you're the smartest cat in the room, you're in the wrong room. I know it sounds sort of (laughs) cliche, but, you know, I get to hang around some really bright people who are quite accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I love being there and being able to ask them a question and say, oh, Okay, well now I know how that gets done. Right. And so, yeah, uh, don't, you know, and I I think there's a thing in some culture, right? So in IT, you can easily be someone who thinks they don't need to talk to anybody else or know anything that you've got this nailed. Um, Thinking you've got it nailed is a bad place to be in, right? Um, you know, Socrates said, know thyself. And most people think that's means like know your capabilities. And no, it's know your limitations. That's what he was trying to tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Know your limitations so that you can go talk to other people and figure out how to make yourself better or, like I said, more directionally correct and where you want to go.
1: No, I, I think that's a great lesson. That's why I wanted to pull that, uh, tease that out just a little bit. I have used on this podcast, your word, which I almost always attribute to you is a mentor is another word for exemplar. Yep. Yeah. I always think of you when I use that word and I use that word on a regular basis. You got to find somebody that you can use as an example that can help guide you through that whatever that path might be. So the continuous learning, the never satisfied. That's what I want our listener to hear today. Yeah.
2: No, I think that is super important. And I think is it's not like I'm a shark always on the hunt. It's just like I want to know more. I want to be better at what I'm doing and I feel like that has helped me get where I'm going mm. right and, it, and the thing is I might want to do one thing in one part of my life and then my career moves around and I want to do something else and I just all I have to do is pull on new teachers and they lead me to where I want to go.
1: Mm. New teachers that's a good phrase. Tell us about a transition or a pivot point that moved you into tech leadership.
2: I mean a thing is this in the leadership side, right? You can only do so much as an individual contributor, right? You can only do so much as the as the cat that's turning the screw or writing the code or whatever. And we want you to be good at that, because that's always awesome to have confidence in your skills in that space. But at some point, you need other people to be with you in that space. That's true. You have to be able to command a team. Right. In one way or the other. And so uh, I don't and I don't think I ended up, by the way, let me just say I ended up in a spot where I had people working for me, but I did not have good training on what it meant to be a manager. I had to go find that myself. Right. I had to go out in the world and find people who are good managers and struggle through that bit, and I don't—I wouldn't even say today that that was something I was really good at. But I realized that if I were going to go lead people, I had to learn how to become a leader. And so I might learn the technical side, but I need to learn the leadership side as well. And what does that mean? Uh, I remember writing an article many years ago, and it was the leadership acid test. And this is the leadership acid test. If you look behind you and nobody is following, you are not leading, right? (laughs) And so the question is, how do you get good at inspiring people, planting the flag, letting them know where they're headed? And, you know, let them figure out how to get there mostly, much of the time. But, you know, but you got to be able to plant the flag and say, this is what I'm building. Do you want to build this with me?
1: I used to be in the army, as you know, and <clears throat> we would go on FTX or field training exercises. Um, you can imagine a bunch of young, um, guys out there doing things. And I would always carry a business book with me and I read, you know, Lee Iacocca's book and all kind of books. And my Sergeant would give me a hard time. He goes, Newkirk, you're always in a smart book, but I was always looking for that next thing. Yeah. And, um, your story reminds me of that. Well, I think
2: that's where that is for you, right? That's how you get going forward. That's true, yeah. You know, what am I going to feed my head? What am I going to think about? And I don't think people even realize, like, this is one of the reasons I like reading this kind of stuff before you go to bed. Because most people think, well, I go to bed and I'm resting my body. Well, you are resting your body. But your brain is working on its next problem. So feed it stuff that helps move you forward. I Mm. think that's super important.
1: That's really good. Talking about moving forward, let's let me ask you, when you were a younger professional, say in your twenties, maybe early thirties, what's something that you undervalued at that point in your life and in your career that you that you really value now?
2: When I was young and I was the nerd and I was the tech guy and I was building this stuff, right? The whole thing of like getting other people, being able to manage politics and be able to (laughs) navigate the world and have people join you in what you're doing, that just seemed like a lost cause. I was like, that's stupid. I'm just going to build a better mouse trap, and they're all going to go. Hey, look how smart Phil is. Let's go play with Phil. <laughs> uh, and that just isn't it, right? I mean, you got to learn what motivates other people, and you got to learn that it's not the same for everybody, and their languages are different. I know. I mean, the way they talk, what they want to see, what motivates them is different. And to become curious in that regard. I think is really powerful. Mm. So for and it, again, I feel like it feels like cliché because I've internalized all of this at this point, right? But for me, it was in the beginning, I thought the tech won the day, and in the end it's the people who won the day because the problems keep changing. And right. so it's who am I surrounding myself with? Are they really great at what they do? And can I kind of let them figure out where we're headed? You know, can I tell them where we're headed and can we do go do that together?
1: Uh, particularly technology people based on my experience when they're Within 10 or 12 years of starting their career, they think the tech is going to win the day. They're always talking. If you, if I interview somebody, if I'm talking to a young leader, they're always saying, we got a better, cooler thing. And I'm like, that's awesome, but you better make sure, to your point, you've got folks – going with you because, yeah. you know. No, right. Because you the technology is
2: going to change under you. It's having the people. Absolutely. I mean, if it were the tech, we're going to win the day. We'd be doing everything in Turbo Pascal and Lotus Notes, right? <laughs> and neither <laughs> one of those are anywhere near. They don't even exist. Hardly.
1: <laughs> Hardly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, think of all the things that have come and gone.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What What would you share with our listeners is uh, your proudest professional accomplishment?
2: We've certainly built things and that's been fun, right? So we've managed to lead to, you know, I've had now not once but twice people from Bangalore, India come and say, we would like to go run Tech After Five in Bangalore, India. And I was like, I don't even know how you knew I existed, let alone you wanted to go do what I'm doing there. You like what we're doing and you want more of that, right? right?" So I, I think that's really kind of a cool thing. We've managed to engage a lot of people. There are... Twenty-six thousand people on our mailing list now right so i mean that's a thing i mean we're we're not talking to nobody it's not like i thought this is, might be a good idea and then no one listens no it, they like what we're doing and they continue to hang out with us so i think that's been really kind of cool last thing was you know several years ago i got um nominated in won the award or whatever, but I was nominated, I was identified as one of the 50 most influential people in this town in which we live, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And uh, I thought, well, that was kind of cool, but, you know, I don't want to believe my own PR, but I always thought it was kind of cool to show up and do that. And it was amazing to me that one of my college professors walked up to me, someone who I hadn't spoken to in 20 years or better, walked up to me and said, we are proud of you. Wow. Holy cow. I mean, I wanted to cry. I mean, it just, it, it just nearly brought a tear to my eye to think that, oh, my gosh, someone cares about what we're doing in a way that they would come up and say, we're proud of you. That's cool.
1: That is very cool. Yeah. That is very cool.
2: A couple of moments like that, you know. But I've got to hang around with some really great people. And I think at the end <clears> of the day, I mean, building big stuff, building interesting stuff, you know, writing Cool software. I've managed to be involved in a bunch of different projects that were neat in that regard. But uh, I just – I love hanging around certain people. And now I get to do that when I want to.
1: I got to believe that the impact of Tech After Five and how you touch all those lives over the years has to be something that is just a huge big deal to you.
2: It's just – it's crazy. We're, you know, I'm just trying to be helpful. And we would encourage I, anybody doing their thing to go out and be helpful. So I'm just trying to be helpful. But I have been at live events where a line would form where people just wanted to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. If I if I'm helping you, that's awesome. It's what I came here to do. And uh yeah, it it has been great. And like I said, it's tens of thousands of people and people are doing incredible deals and people building companies and building teams, and they're doing that. And I just want to be in the spot where I'm making it easier for them, just a little bit easier to find the cat you're looking for.
1: Yeah. So this is not a Tech After Five commercial, but you know I am just such a huge fan of the ability that you have and the giftedness that you have to help people get started in their tech career. When you look at uh, the average income, based on industry, uh, tech is at the top. Uh, every survey, every study, every you know article yeah. talks about that. And so many young people, how do I get in? How do I get in? And I always tell them, go to Tech After Five. And I know 20 stories of people, hey, I started because I met somebody at Tech After Five, and this is how a multitude of people have started their tech career, and they changed the trajectory of their career and their family life because they needed, they didn't know how to get in the door.
2: Yeah, right. I think it's just a huge change. I'll tell you, so just a story that I just heard, right? Two weeks ago, I was at one of my kids' uh, practices or football, football games or something. I walk out and I ran into a guy that I knew in town. He said, hey, I just wanted to tell you. He said, you know, all this Tech After Five stuff. And he said, you might remember two years ago that my son, I asked you to come have lunch with me and my son and to give him just some career advice he was coming out of college trying to do his thing and he was just trying to figure out how to make how to make decisions about where he wanted to go and you had lunch with this he just said sure. i wanted to tell you that he's now working for slack in new york city he's making four hundred thousand dollars a year two years out of college and i was like i'm in the wrong business <laughs> I, i'm in the wrong business i got no part of that at all no i mean just how awesome is that there's a kid that's flourishing you know, because we hopefully helped him make some of the connections he was looking to make and make some good decisions about where he was headed.
1: Yeah, that'd be a good book, having uh, uh, chronicling all those stories.
2: I, yeah, and the thing is we ask for him sometimes, and sometimes people get busy. <clears> but I mean, every once in a while, and, I, and again, this happened just a couple months ago, somebody walked up and told a story from like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And in fact, and this was a neat one because it's a career story. Guy walks up to me and he says hey, you know what? You probably don't remember me, but I came to Tech After Five four years ago. He said, and I was really frustrated with my job and I was looking for something new. He said, and and you asked me questions and you had me play it all out. And he said, you gave me the advice of, why don't you go, if you like the company, but you don't like what's going on, why don't you go to your boss and explain what's going on and ask if something could be different? He said- now I'm the boss in this very same place, right? And he said, it's just worked out really well and I'm still in the same company and I've got a great career.
1: I think that's one of your superpowers is asking people questions that make them think and help them move the ball forward. I really do.
2: Well, thank you. I, I keep trying to get better at that. You know, and I used to think that, you know, driving people to uncertainty was not a good thing. But now it's like people are too frequently sure of the wrong thing. And Mm. if you can just like put a little bit of uncertainty in their lives and say, well, how did that come to be? Are you sure that's true? Or what might this person say about it? And you can ask the right questions and it just puts enough uncertainty in their head that they go back and rethink it. And that's all you need them to do. That's all they need to do.
1: Absolutely. uh, A friend of mine took a new job and he was not going to take the job. And I said, well, what if you're wrong about your assumption? And I think that rocked his world. And the right question at the right time and the right tone uh, is highly valuable.
2: No, I think it's right. And, of course, that particular question, what if you're wrong, is so important. that it's one of the ones that the Oracle of Delphi used to ask people that come up. So, you know, it's ancient and solid because we're frequently wrong about things. And we just Mm -hmm. don't even entertain the possibility. Yes,
1: absolutely. What are some core principles or skills that will always be relevant to a career in technology?
2: I've always said that I think that IT, information technology, is the world's longest running IQ test. Mm. And meaning that it it just, it gets more complicated, it becomes more fragmented. You know, it felt like there was a time, you know, in, in one part of this space, right, that you could always know what was going on. But now, it's a this thing just keeps changing and i think you have to be okay with the change and you have to say i will adapt to this right i will in this space say you know what what was the problem we were really here to solve does this thing help or not help so and then move forward so i I think a thing is to be flexible in a way that you probably didn't realize to begin with and it's it's easier as you get older to become brittle right? Quite true. And so you have to teach yourself flexibility, right? So you need a little mental yoga or something, Pilates for the mind. I don't know what that would be, but you know you need something like that to help you be flexible in that space and time and say, again, to your question, you might be wrong. And it, this other thing might be the newness that we really need. Yeah. It might be the right idea. And uh, I think you just have to be a little bit skeptical, a little bit flexible and, uh, Easy to get along with if you can.
1: Mm, Easy, that's that's that'll preach, as we say, that'll preach. What are your best guesses for the future of the technology landscape, Phil?
2: Yeah, I have the world's worst crystal ball. It's just (laughs) a mess, Um, and I just never can. You know, it's like, what comes next? Um, Here's the thing: it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what comes next because if you are flexible, adaptable, and easy to get along with, you'll be there with it. You know, you will just be making that move right along with it. And you say, oh, yeah, okay, this is is what people are trying to get done. Let's go do that together.
1: I think we've touched on this, but I'd love to ask you a direct question. What is your personal growth and personal development strategy? What are some things that you do to continue to uh, sharpen the saw, as they say?
2: I think I mean for me it's I'm constantly reading and I get that it's not cool and people don't do that anymore but uh I've got three or four books going at any given time and I and the thing is I don't think I have to read every book all the way to the end I mean I, it, but I think that there's a lot of time there's a chapter in this thing or two or three chapters of the right thing and I do think that you know pulling that out is useful but I like, I mean, obviously, like everyone else, I'm using a little bit of YouTube. I use a little bit of blogs and stuff on Twitter to kind of indicate where things are high. But nothing beats a book for crystallized thinking on a topic, mm. right? So the person who wrote that, hopefully, you know, particularly if it came out of a real publishing house, right? But if it went through that, they went through an editor and someone said, this isn't clear. And they they basically got it all crystallized. So now it's a really good idea. Mm. And so I still read really good books. And I read books that are on a variety of topics. So it's not everything's not just technical. Not everything's just leadership. You know, I read books about what's it mean to be a better human being and that kind of stuff.
1: I'm interested. I think the reading the personal development, personal growth probably comes deeper from a place of hunger, wanting to be better. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I'm not done here yet, right? I'm not done here and I'm not completely baked. And I think that there's a chance for me to get better at what I'm doing. And uh, I still want to do that. So, And there are, I mean, I keep learning stuff all of the time. And I was like, okay, I had no idea that was there. Let's figure that out.
1: Yeah, where do you think that hunger comes from? Um, You talked about growing up poor, a little bit isolated. Um, Do you think it's that, or do you think it's some other space? (laughs) It's funny. No, I think Like,
2: Why? I I don't think my dad hugged me enough. I think that was. uh, being curious, right? I mean, I spent all this time, I mean, when I was a kid, like now we're doing YouTube and we have all this stuff, right? When I was a kid, it was a public library. And right. So I would like use all my free time that I could get if we ever went into the big town and (laughs) then I would go hang out at the library and I would just learn and read and I would just be curious about a thing. So I don't know, maybe I just got lucky. It could have been the genetic lottery, but I think Mm. it's also a learned skill, right? I mean, I think I can say, um, look, in fact, let me give you a place to do this. Replace judgment with curiosity. I say this to myself all the time. I mm. say this to other people, but this thing you think you know or you want to say, ask a question instead of making a statement. Just ask a question. Be Socrates in this in this spot and ask, well, what if I'm wrong? Or how does that work? Or what did you mean by that? Or how did you learn this? Mm. And I think those are all just great questions. But I, I you're going to have to ask my therapist how I why I became curious. But those are my best guesses. Yeah,
1: your therapist is on next week, so we'll get to him. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, is there a single piece of advice, or a group of pieces of advice that you would share with um, that 25 year old IT person who's two or three or four years into his or her career that really is just doing it and loves tech and but doesn't know. How to get from where they are to create a pathway that you've created is there is there anything you would share with that person over maybe a beer at tech after five or a fabulous cigar
2: <laughs> you know in my case i would i wouldn't start with the sharing i'd only ask them what's on their mind what are you, ch- mm. you know, what are you chasing right now what's important to you why is that? what do you th- why do you think that's important right so that was unlike you saying well why are you curious i mean it's it's a nice default mode right but what are they doing why are they headed in that direction what made this interesting them i would ask all of these questions but uh what advice do you need today what does a person need to know let me tell you let me tell you of a danger that Police. i think is out in the world the world will consume you if you let it Right, and I don't just mean your job. Your job will consume you. Because if I'm a guy running a company and I have found an outperformer, I might likely run him till he's done. I might just bleed every bit out of him if Absolutely. I'm not careful. If sure. If I'm not, if I don't think, in, if I don't think to protect the asset, the world will tear you up. The best people in technology today have built systems to suck your every waking moment into. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. All of that can be lost, but the thing is, none of that will probably lead you to where you actually wanted to go. Right? Um, you're building a life brick by brick. Make sure you like each brick, and that it's something that you're gonna be that you're gonna like when you're done with it. Right? Because you're mm-hmm. just building it brick by brick. And I didn't get here today without taking a lot of steps. And there are a lot of them that I'm super proud of and probably some I'm not too proud of. And maybe you know, I could, but I don't get to take that back. So here I am in this moment and I'm completely okay with that. But I think at every given moment, we should think that we're building our life brick by brick. Do I like the brick I'm building right now?
1: Mm, that's so good. Thank you. What are you working on right now? What are you chasing? What's in the front uh, window?
2: Yeah. Crazy weird thing happened. So... You know, we started into this pandemic thing, and I, I'll i just – let me just say this out loud. I hated Zoom. I thought this was <laughs> terrible. I thought Zoom was horrible, and I didn't understand why people were using it. But it became clear to me that people needed connection. So we went through that sort of three-year thing where they people needed connection. So I, uh, I got good at Zoom, and I am now, like I said, minimum running 50 of my own networking over coffee events. I'm running events for other people. We have – You know, sometimes a thousand people on these calls kind of thing that we're running for national organizations. So my thing in my front view right now is uh, building something where I can impact an even larger group of people, non-geographically specified. Probably not going to be multilingual to begin with, but and certainly is not. But I can there's a huge unaddressed audience, English speaking audience inside this space that I want to help. And I'm going to lean into that.
1: That's exciting.
2: It is exciting. It's a good time. We're doing some good stuff.
1: That's a big vision, a big mission that uh, I'm sure you'll be wildly successful at, like uh, you have.
2: Well, you know, <coughs> one, one can hope. One can <laughs> hope.
1: Well, I just so appreciate you taking some time to spend with us uh, today and, and pouring into our listeners. And for those of you who don't know Phil, um, as I've mentioned, Phil and I are friends and cigar buddies and used to share offices and uh, we're pals. And I've seen him literally transform people's lives through the things that he's done, uh, him being curious and kind and giving and willing to share and connecting folks when he has does not have a dog in the fight. And um, I just want to tell you, man, I so appreciate what you do for people. I really, really do.
2: Well, thank you, Barry. And it means a lot. And obviously, I appreciate the time that you and I have spent together. And, you know, what you're doing here, this is a gift, right? You're grabbing some of the folks that you know and saying, look, I think this guy might have something to say and this gal might have something to say and kind of pull them together and say, well, let's put this in a place where the curious can find it, right? And so having done that, I think you're delivering a gift into the world. Thank you for uh, including me.
1: Our great pleasure. How can we learn more about you and your work and Tech After Five, Phil?
2: I really can't recommend that. I think you (laughs) probably know all about me. You'd want to know. But if you would like to just start with me and kind of work your way out and find out about Tech After Five and networking over coffee and the other little things we've got going on, you can really just go to my name, philyanov.com, P-H-I-L-Y-A-N-O-V.com, and it will lead you to everything
1: else. Awesome. Thanks for being here on Tech Leaders Talk, Phil.
2: Yeah, thank
0: you, Thanks for joining us today on the Tech Leaders Talk podcast. Learn more about our show at techleaderstalkpodcast.com and follow us on social media. We are Tech Leaders Talk podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we're on Twitter at Tech Leaders Pod. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. And please share this episode with at least one person in your life who would benefit. Until next time, Tech Leaders, keep talking.